0: You know, it's it, at the end of the day, every human being on this planet has to be responsible for where they're at because where they're at is where they're at, you know, and now you can get busy digging your way out of it or you can get busy staying stuck in that hole. Is
1: there- Darkness to Life contains the real stories of individuals who found their way out of the darkness caused by mental health challenges and substance abuse. If these stories resonate with you, and you or someone you love need help and don't know where to turn, Our Collective Journey is here for you. Please reach out when you're ready to OurCollectiveJourney.ca or on Facebook at Our Collective Journey.
0: I'm nervous. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I guess this is, uh, The beginning of season two, my name is Damian Davis, uh, part of our collective journey, coming at you from Plugged In Media Network. This is uh, the first podcast of season two of From Darkness to Life. Uh, Welcome Rick, welcome Ryan, how are you guys?
2: Awesome. Awesome? Yeah? it's a strong word. Wow didn't you? shitty i just blew up in two hours of my life forgetting <laughs> to save a grant application but other than that awesome
0: that's where my brain went i was <laughs> gonna see if you were gonna if you were gonna own that one that's hilarious <laughs> yeah, like I mean, that. it's fun. what did you say on the uh, season ending episode i can only be responsible for how i react to <laughs> situations yeah, yeah. yeah so that was a, yeah. a great reaction of turning a negative into a positive yeah.
2: right. i uh i've turned that around quickly now yeah, you're you're growing
0: <laughs> it's nice to see <laughs> Yeah. So that was awesome. awesome. How was uh, how was your guys' summer? Uh, summer was. Did we have summer? It, went,
3: it seems like it's a, it's a bit of a blur. Oh my gosh. It went so fast, but it was amazing. I'm a dad again. Yeah. Little, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. That happened. a <laughs> tiny little boy at home. Yeah. There's a third person staying in oh. my house that's not paying rent. Oh, yeah. That
2: <laughs> it's freeloaders.
3: Eh? <laughs> no, it's pretty awesome to have that opportunity to be present in my life for uh, being a dad. Cause I definitely wasn't present, not all the time, you know, the first time through that kind of scenario in my previous life. So this is, I don't want to say a redo, but it's, it's just a gift, I think, to be able to be a dad again.
0: Yeah. It's pretty special to, uh, to see you with, uh, with your son and to see all the, you know, we have, I haven't met him yet, uh, but to see him on social media with, uh, your better half and and yourself, (laughs) uh, what's, what's the little
3: guy's name? His name's Oliver, so we call him Ollie. I call him Ver. Lots of times, but uh, Lord, the lord. lord. Oh, yeah, that's he's a whole he's new story. He's actually got a title. Now we have two lords <laughs> around here. Rick bought him his own little chunk of land in Scotland, so he is a, a fellow lord with with our other royalty over here. Nobility, nobility. It's, it's not royalty. It's I gotta, nobility. I know. I haven't got the the footnotes in front of me. <laughs> how to introduce myself? <laughs>
2: <laughs> and you, Rick? How was uh, your summer? Uh, good. It, uh, busy. I, I took almost a month off work and that was great. Uh, good little break from work. <laughs> and then, uh, as soon as I got back, my <clears throat> life got really, really hectic really quickly within the first week. I think we had a, a COVID outbreak at work, which consumed pretty much my life for the next two months. So, just hopefully knock on wood coming to an end on that scenario. But, uh, yeah, for the last two months, that's kind of been my entire life. (laughs) Yeah. No, I, I know we were talking
0: before we all sat down to record this, but we were talking about, you know, our last episode that we did and kind of the recap of what the first, you know, nine months of uh, our collective journey looked like. Um, Can you guys believe that it's been only a year? (laughs) (laughs) No,
3: we were just discussing that the other day that we were sitting in our new office space discussing how four months ago we were meeting in the Northlands co-op parking lot having window coffees (laughs) to discuss how things were going. And it's just amazing how, you know, we sit here today at the table and all the things that are in play, all the things that are in place and the things that have been accomplished, you know, by OCJ with the support of the community and support of other people around the province and it's it's amazing. There's lots of mornings I wake up and think, man, this is how do we get here? It's been pretty awesome.
0: Yeah, yeah. me too. <laughs> <laughs> Ditto. How about you, Rick? What uh,
2: can you believe? It's only been a year. Um. Yes and no. I mean, there's there was a tremendous amount of work to get this thing to where it is that. Um there's so much behind the scenes of what's going on with OCJ and the moving parts and the bits and pieces that uh, it it's at the same time, it feels like it's been a lifetime <laughs> that yeah. this thing's been around. And at, at the same time, it's shocking that it's only a year old. So it's, uh, it's exciting to see the trajectory <coughs> of this thing and, and uh, the support that we're getting and and how fired up and how passionate people are about it. And, and just some, the most remarkable things that I've, I take away from it are the conversations that daily come up organically with people and, and how um, how honest people are, which is pretty cool.
0: Yeah, it was uh, this morning I was listening to, you know, that final episode we recorded, episode 27 last, I guess, what was July, it, spring, yeah. July, summer. But yeah, the, the one thing that uh, really stood out to me again was just when you were talking about finding your purpose. And that how everything in your life had prepared you for this moment. And it kind of seems that's continued where you're saying now, you know, it feels like this has been going on forever. And maybe I look at it kind of like being a father. My sons were always in my heart. They were always there. But until I took the action to do something or to, to put myself in a position to be a father that didn't come to fruition. And then it, it did. And it's, it's like, they've always been there just like OCJ. It's kind of been, we, uh, you and myself and Ryan had to go through some pretty terrible things to get to a point where we had to take some action to do some things, which led okay. us to, you know, where we are today, sitting at this table, trying, well, I guess, not even trying, making a difference, right? Yeah. There's no trying there. We're doing we're, it. We're doing it. Right? How did
2: Yoda say there is no trying, just do. Yeah. I don't know. I'm not a Star Wars nerd. I don't know. Hey, Dave. Dave. (laughs) how's
0: that saying, go.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Profile.
0: (laughs) (laughs) But but it's true. I think every single moment of our life, it doesn't matter who you are, is preparing you for for what you're doing now and what you're going to do next, right? It's just for us to take that next step. And Mm -hmm. I guess that's what this uh, next season of, you know, from darkness to life is all about, is to Mm -hmm. diversify our collective journey, to reach more people, to increase our capacity so that uh, we can continue to be those causal agents of change.
3: Yeah, for sure. And I love the conversation we had prior to coming on here about diversifying and what that looks like in season two, working on that piece as a, as a direction and almost a purpose, you know, and and to incorporate other influences um, from the community and, and different agencies and whatever else, right. Because I, I had a good laugh over this. We can only use our stories or tell our stories and, And, you know, so many times before people are like, nope, heard this one, shutting off this podcast. Right. And it's that piece that it's not about us. It's about using our stories to attract more people that, uh, have the same kind of drive and the same kind of purpose that we have. And and it's been an amazing thing to watch unfold over this summer for sure.
2: Yeah. I think it's, uh, I totally agree, Ryan. Um, I think that thanks Rick, (laughs) you're welcome. Well, and that's just it. That speaks to, you know, some of the feedback I've got, um, over the last year with this podcast is it's, uh, it is a very male dominated conversation typically Mm -hmm. with who we have in the room. And, and I think the three of us, our stories are so similar that, um, you know, I've had some feedback from listeners that they sometimes have a problem, have issues sorting out who's talking and who's what, because we all have the same story, kind of sound the same. Mm -hmm. Um, So I think it's, it's really brought into focus that uh, how important the diversification piece is and, and how there's a ton of people out there that are suffering from things that are nothing like any one of us three. Mm -hmm. Right. And uh, how do we, how do we expand that sphere of influence beyond guys like us for sure and i know
3: we we had that feedback you know over the course of this summer that like you said it's starting from the outside the optics of it is starting to look like a men's group right because it is a lot of men have have stepped up to be part of this and uh we had a lot of discussions about that like it's based on same as a lot of other concepts that we the three of us know quite well it's based on attraction kind of through our stories and through our purpose and we can't promote we can't go out and find people to share their stories they're not gonna you know you need to tell your story and because you fit this specific demographic, it's about attraction, right? So it's let's keep using our stories and hopefully the right, I don't want to say the right person, but a different person than the three of us steps up, right. And, and becomes part of this. That's going to attract other people resonate with other stories that aren't drugs, hookers, whatever, alcohol, whiskey, all these things that we were into, right? It's uh it's pretty cool to watch the people that cross our paths based on that concept of attraction.
0: Yeah. The, you know, I have conversations with, you know, people in my, uh, my in-laws and sometimes they, they voice that they don't feel that their story or their experience is valid. Cause it wasn't as traumatic as maybe mine was or yours was, or Rick's was. But, uh, I think that's what, o- what makes O.G.J. special is that, Your trauma or your pain or your experience is your experience and it's going to help somebody, right? You don't have to have went the same path that I went to, you know, to feel low self-worth or to feel, you know, helpless or lost. You can be a completely normal human being by, I guess I'm putting quotation marks up now when I say normal, but your experience is your experience. Absolutely. Just having the courage to share that um, will give other people courage to, you know, to to self-diagnose and to realize that they're not okay. Something that I heard on that last episode, I think Rick said, it was like, you're, you don't even know that that's not normal because that has become your normal, you know, that low self-esteem or that not taking risk or, or whatever, whatever that is for you, um, becomes your safety blanket or your safety net. And <clears throat> for you, sure. you don't have that, uh, <clears throat> example of what it is to step outside of that. Maybe that's what this is. Maybe that's what this diversification of season two or year two of OCJ will be is just more people that, you know, how many people did we have download our podcast last year? 10,000. Uh, 10,000. 10, yeah. Right? So 10,000 downloads, you know, where potentially people could also want to share their story and be a part of this. And, I absolutely guess it's just uh i guess this is the the advertisement part it's like if you if you feel inspired and you want to reach out um you want to tell your story we're we're open we're open for business we want to hear from you
3: 100% and that's going back to that attraction piece right it's we can't go out fishing for people to tell their stories it doesn't work that way it's <clears throat> when someone feels like that light bulb is turned on for them you know, whether it's through listening to this podcast or meeting someone on the street, whatever it is, hearing their story that, and it resonates with them. And they're like, man, I want to use my story to help somebody. That's the piece, right? Like we've had so many people that reach out to us and share their stories of hope with us based on listening to your podcast, Amor, listening to yours, Rick, or or any of the other guests from season one. And it opened the door for them. Like, man, I think I need to do something about this. And I need to tell my story. I want to make a difference. And that's been a cool
2: piece as well. I think what the thing that I take away from what you just said Damien it was um how many people undervalue their their story right and they don't feel like they have something to contribute and yeah like everybody especially in a world that like we live in a society where it's just so you know bullshit right the the social media the images that everybody's trying to portray everybody's trying to pursue something, an image that they have in their head of what they should look like. And, and, uh, and like reality is everybody's a shit show. Right. And it's, it's okay. Like that's life. It's, it's not, it's not this pretty package. And, uh, and I think the more people can start living with that integrity and that honesty um, and the, and the get rid of the fear of, you know, what other people think of, you know, When you're, when you're just living with that integrity of, of being comfortable enough to, to be the one to go, you know, yeah, my life is a shit show at times. It, uh, it, it, it's very powerful to, it's like you're taking power back from, not even from somebody, just that you've given away.
0: Right. I didn't even know. Like, I always thought I was integrous and had integrity, but what I didn't have was I wasn't responsible. You know, I wasn't responsible for every situation in my life because you know in the rooms you talk about i'm the only common denominator in every situation of my of my life yeah and that's where you know i took that power back um and it wasn't because you know somebody no i had to go to a pretty dark place to realize that's how i was supposed to live right and i think uh I I don't know. We live in a victim culture. If only this, if only this, if you know, whatever, whatever is going on, everybody's pointing fingers and not taking responsibility for the decisions that they make sometimes. And then that just leads us to have to compare to, you know, Instagram or Facebook or have this and have that. And, you know, I found some great serenity and I'm barely on social media. I'm barely, you know, I'm barely on the internet as is. Um, as you guys well know. With my or, or not for long. long yeah, yeah, <laughs> <Nine> no. <minutes. laughs> yeah, yeah. But I just found this serenity and grace that I found is just, I stopped comparing myself to other people. You know, I just, the freedom of, of life, I guess is, just, I just get to be me. And that's something I was searching for for, for so, so long. And, man, you know, I think about how far away I am from my last drink and my last drugs, you know, almost seven years but where I'm really growing um, and it's caused me a lot of struggle and a lot of pain in last year is, is my parenting. Like, you know, thinking that I have to be a perfect parent, Mm -hmm. that I have to do everything right so that my kids don't end up fucked up like I was. And, you know, not realizing that I'm going to fuck them up regardless.
2: Yeah. yeah. (laughs) Yeah. I think the best, you know, watching that journey for you, the best advice you got is just accept the fact that you're going to fuck them up. Yeah. Right. And that's just the reality of being a parent. And it is. And and what it is, is it's, that's
0: the biggest growth period I've had over the summer and had over the last year is that I'm doing as good as I can, but I'm not just staying complacent Mm -hmm. and know, which is a great lesson for me being a parent for me being a human being is I go through these, I guess what all started this was I was apathetic to people suffering. And like I said, if you didn't come into the rooms of 12 step, I didn't give a fuck if you were suffering. Right. And, um, now it's just like, am I becoming apathetic or complacent in my recovery? Am I becoming complacent in my parenthood? Am I becoming complacent in OCJ? Where all of it. And that's like my go-to. I just get comfortable, but, and then I get periods of action where I have to, I know that I have to be a better parent and I have to figure out the solutions because my two-year-old can't figure it out. He's, he's too, he's a smart kid, but I don't know if he can solve yeah. your problems yet. <laughs> so, and that's the thing. And it's just letting go of that and not trying to be anything, just being me again, knowing that I have, that I'm working on it, right? And um I think that's where I'm at right now is ready to work again, ready to, to do more and be more. Because when I show up and be of service, I'm a better dad, I'm a better husband, I'm a better father, I'm a better friend, you know, I'm a better brother, mm-hmm. just a better me. Better demo. Yeah. <laughs> I love it. It's hard to believe, but yeah, I can be better. <laughs> I love it it's cool to be sitting
3: around this table again. I look back, you know, the last thing we did was in July together on this podcast and suddenly we're back. And I mean, you, Rick, you talked about how you were so busy with COVID all summer and, and your employment and the shit show that was going on there. And I hardly saw you and you were over in the middle East most of the time. And I hardly saw you and suddenly here we all are. And that's really cool. And, and it's almost like that for me, it's like, ah, this is where we should be. We're back together, hanging out and, sharing our stories and helping people. This is, yeah, it's cool. It's a good day.
0: I was nervous this, this morning. Like, I, yeah, my two-year-old Harris, he was up at five, <laughs> just wanting to do stuff. And, you know, we were hanging out and we we're listening to the last episode and some other episodes of the, our podcast. And I got nervous this morning. I'm like, man, you know, my, self-doubt creeps in mm-hmm. you know like what am i doing i haven't been as president i like you said i wasn't here the whole summer and then you know we meet yesterday and <laughs> rick says well what it was like then and what it's like now things changed." i'm like yeah fuck you know <laughs> i get it and and i have this guilt and this you know this not enough program that kicks in saying you know you're you're not doing enough you're not enough you're you know your fingers in too many pots and mm-hmm. oh this podcast is too much but then i also got this feeling like, well, if it's going to be, it's up to me. So I better fucking start going to make a change, right? Because yeah. change is constant, growth is optional. You <laughs> know, that's it's something that we hear all the time, but sometimes I get complacent, like I said, and mm-hmm. I forget about that. And I'm the one that has to take action to make a difference. And I see all the hard work that, like, you've put in, you know, now being full time with OCJ and all the work that Rick puts in on the side of his desk. And what am I doing? I'm, you know, slowly plucking away and trying to figure it out, but maybe I got to stop thinking about it and just start doing and things will
2: pick up. Right. And it's interesting. Cause I know, I, I, I know you pretty well, buddy. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, and it's like a hard, it's a hard conversation for me to even navigate with you about, you know, th- where things were and where things oh. are, because I'm like, I, I, I have a pretty good idea of where you can take that because of your personality. And that's exactly where I was like, cautious of was like you know i know damien can go to this place of i'm not contributing i'm not enough i'm not supportive right so i'm like fuck i've got to try to figure out how to frame this message that isn't negative at all totally and make sure that he gets that it isn't negative and like gets that he has value in it and and uh and i and i know still that you've got your process that you're going to go through but at the end of the day you're going to show up here like you did today and you're going to show up with a plan and you're going to show up committed and it's just your process and that's your journey that you're on. And, and it's, uh, it's still special to see you show up and be as fired up. Cause I mean, none of this would be here. Like I know my life, like mm-hmm. I, we talked about, you know, I did a speech this summer and I, and, and I wouldn't be alive if you weren't here. So, um, you know, it's, it's ironic that we're sitting here talking about how people undervalue their story and, and you can oh. still get stuck in those cycles. Uh, right. And I think that's, you
0: know, when we talk about, uh, don't tell our story, use our story. I think the using of my story is not, yeah, there is the addict, the alcoholic, the suicidal ideation guy, but you know, I've progressed to this point where for me, it's about, still growing and still going through these things and being okay with going through these things. Cause I, I beat myself up. Like I want to be perfect. I got to have this figured out. I've been doing this for so fucking long. Why isn't this easier? And then I'm like, well, maybe it doesn't get easier. Maybe this is just part of growing and mm-hmm. stop fighting it and just be, and it's like, huh? Okay. And then, you know, this constant internal dialogue that we as human beings, I guess, have. And I guess we just have the courage to lend voice to that and say, listen, you know, the alcoholism and the addiction part, I've dealt with that, but being a bad parent or, you know, getting frustrated or whatever that looks like for me, that's what I really have to work on. And in turn, you know, maybe some dads out there will hear this and say, Oh, he can start keep working on himself. Maybe I can too. Right. And I don't know. I guess I just got to trust the journey as opposed to look for the destination and perfection.
3: Yeah. That's really cool to hear. You know, that, that makes me think of, you talked about the. The alcohol and the drugs, right? We dealt with the addiction piece. And I mean, that's going to be a piece that's in the back of my mind forever, right? I know I'm not going back drinking and drugging because I know where that takes me, but it really reaffirms to me that the drinking and the drugging wasn't really the problem. That was the solution. We talked about that lots, right? It's all the underlying causes to why I ended up where I ended up. And that's the piece I get to work on today is if I don't keep working on that self-worth piece and that I'm enough piece and, you know working on that change and the action piece every day on a daily basis, I can go back to being that jackass, self-centered piece of shit I used to be. And, and that's the piece I love about, you know, am I grateful to be, I hear that all the time, I'm grateful to be a, a recovered or a recovering alcoholic or drug addict. And I'm like, when I first came in the rooms and first got into recovery, I'm like, how are you grateful for that? And I get it today because that gave, opened the door for me to recognize all the shit that was underneath all that. And now I can work on that. And become that better dad, that be that better human being, better friend, better everything, right? Is it perfect? No. <laughs> Am I perfect? And far from it. <laughs> but I'm able to admit that and work on it. Am I ever gonna get there? <laughs> I doubt it, but I'm gonna work at it every day. Cause as long as I'm a little bit better than I was yesterday, things are gonna be good today.
2: You know, and I think if we're <laughs> if we're really being honest. Yeah. I recognized a couple of weeks ago that how, how angry I've become in the last two months. Didn't notice. <laughs> <laughs> and it's really easy for everybody around me to notice. Right. But sometimes when you're in it, I'm just like, I'm, I'm just angry. And, uh and luckily slash not luckily, um, You know, we've got this program and this self-recognition and it's like, once you're aware, once you've got the self-awareness, it's, it's both a blessing and a curse. Right. And I'm trying to figure out what, why, why am I as angry as I am lately? And, and for me, I think it comes down to, you know, like the drugs and the alcohol have been removed, but I've still got all of those conditions that led me to that. Right. And, and for me, I think the number one offender on my shit list is, is control. If I'm not in control of a situation, it's, or, or if I don't perceive that I have control of a situation, I can get really angry really quickly. Right. And, and not to make excuses at all, but um, at the end of the day, I'm still responsible for my emotional state, but you know, with, with this whole COVID thing that I've been dealing with at work and some, and some issues in my employment realm and, and moving parts that I, I'm, I'm trying to control a situation that is like, I'm, I'm trying to control a global pandemic. right? And it's uh, it, it, the reality is it's, it's beyond my control. I can just do what I can do and what my piece of that is. And, uh, and it's, it's still really frustrating. And I get really angry that it doesn't play out the way I think it should sometimes. And, uh, and I've been really angry about it for a while. And until, like god bless this room man until we're sitting back in here sometimes uh the reality of that doesn't quite sink in so (laughs) it's 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 fucking nuts that (laughs) we do all this
0: work we talk about all these things (laughs) we you know i I think about this i was thinking again this morning like why don't i talk about these things (laughs) you know like here i am like working and grinding yet i just i don't sometimes right so you know what is it like for the person that's out there who's never had this opportunity? You know, how tough, how tough is that for that man or woman or, you know, to reach out and speak up. And I guess that's what this is, is just continuing to take action to self-diagnose ourselves. What's going on, you know, talk about it, take the necessary actions to, to make progress. And then in doing so using the power of our shared experience, today, you know, not mm-hmm. uh, our, our past is very important as well, but where we're at this moment to give permission to other people to, to take that first step for themselves. Cause sometimes it feels like I'm taking first steps over and <laughs> over and over. And, and maybe that's just what I'm supposed to do. Um, be that example for my sons that it's okay to struggle, that it's okay to be angry, that it's okay,
2: you know, to, to be human. Well, I was wondering this morning when I seen you and you had horns that's that's fun dad that's fun uh, (laughs) half of a Halloween costume (laughs)
0: vehicle it was hard to drive with those on (laughs) for those I guess this is a podcast I had a sweet uh, Joe Dirt mullet wig on with uh, some Maleficent horns this morning driving through town (laughs) on my way to uh, the plugged in media network studio (laughs) it was quite a sight to behold standing out front yeah
3: yeah for sure, and if if anybody hasn't checked out Demo's TikTok yet, I
0: highly recommend it. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> oh man! So where do we go from here? What uh, what's, the, what's the recap? Tell should we talk about the golf tournament that happened this summer. That
2: <laughs> oh yeah, that small event. Yeah, <laughs> in the midst of all that, I was like awesome. It yeah. was uh, it was a ton of work it was a ton of work by a ton of people. And um, I think the credit for the success of that thing lies mm-hmm. outside of this room. A lot of our board members stepped up and uh, took a huge role in, in um, putting together. I've I played in a lot of golf tournaments and a lot of charity golf tournaments. And, and obviously I'm a little biased <clears> about <throat> this one because it's a little closer to home, but I've never been, I don't think I've been to one that was run so professionally that looks so <coughs> crisp and polished mm-hmm. and, and seamless and, and don't get me wrong. There was some chaos in the midst of it, like the government making um, COVID changes the night before, literally the night before, like seven o'clock uh, news release that had some impact on nine a.m. the next day. So um, it was it was tricky, but again, um, the feedback, the support, the the exposure that I think the organization got. Was was remarkable. The funds that were raised were were significant. Um, that goes a long way to making sure that Ryan's around <laughs> to uh, to be able to answer the phone when it rings. And and it, one of the coolest parts I think is because it was primarily full of corporate uh, sponsors. Um, it wasn't really marketed or publicized too much to the general public because it was sold out so quickly to corporate sponsorship and again entirely a credit to the board members that were involved but uh i think there was a lot of people that showed up to that tournament not even knowing what they were showing up to they were just showing mm-hmm. up to a golf tournament without really knowing who we are what we are what we do um so it was pretty cool to get to have some <sighs> conversations in and around the event to uh to answer some questions and then like we had some i had some really heart to heart conversations with people that day and continue to. I had uh, somebody that attended, somebody that attended the golf tournament reached out uh, yesterday, actually, in regards to one of their, somebody in their family and and trying to support them. So it was a, it was an amazing event, I think.
3: Yeah, no, absolutely. And similar experience for me yesterday, a gentleman reached out that was part of that tournament and, and, you know, for checking into some supports for, for his, one of his children. Right. So, um, Yeah. That golf tournament was amazing. I full transparency. I thought when we first talked about having a golf tournament, Oh, this will be sweet. We'll put our name up on the wall and we'll go hit some golf balls around and we'll have a tournament. This will be amazing. (laughs) And then, you know, two and a half months later after we hit our first ball that day, I was like, Oh, thank goodness. Cause it is stressful. Um, but it was amazing. You know, I had individuals come up to me that night and say, why? I can't believe we haven't been invited to this before. I'm like, well, this is the first one. Like it, it, really was something that was seamless, kind of flawless, Um, and like you said, Rick, it was directly, (laughs) a lot of the credit goes to our board. There's uh, some individuals that have a lot of experience around this thing, and uh, they ran with it, and (laughs) it turned out to be quite amazing. So thank you to anybody on the board who's listening, you all better be listening. <laughs> <laughs> and and the sponsors too, right? Like I look at this the auction, the live auction and and the support that poured out that night, you know, financially but not just financially, sitting down and talking with some of the winning bidders about what we're doing and and even you know the the gentleman who won the 50-50, what was the 50-50 was a huge
2: pot, uh, just under 2000 bucks.
3: Yeah. And within a second of his ticket being drawn, he just donated it right back to the organization. So, I mean, just to see people like that and they're giving nature and and really buying into what we're doing here and wanting to see the success and they want to be part of this. So many people reached out since then, like you said, and how can we help out next year? Or if you need anything before then let us know. And it's just been an amazing, amazing opportunity and a really cool thing to see the community come together like that and um, pour, pour the support into an organization, a new organization like this, like, I mean, we just passed our one year mark of forming our nonprofit, but also, you know, pouring the support into it, but wanting to be part of it, not just throwing money at it. They, they How many people have volunteered to be part of it now, lawyers and accountants and this and that, right? And it's just without saying names, obviously, but it's been amazing to see the, the support that this has generated.
2: Well, and the, and the conversations too, not just the yeah. support, right. But the conversations, like we've been, uh, some of the, some of the corporate sponsors that were involved, they've reached out and asked, uh, that we come and speak to their staff and, and kind of cr- start creating that dialogue. Cause you know, I think for, for so many years, right. I mean, I don't know how many safety meetings we've collectively sat through in this room. Right. And, and you've always got a, a guy from HR at the front talking about how important, mental health is but we all know he doesn't give a shit and he's just checking a box and and it's kind of just a formality that companies need to go through right and uh i i genuinely believe that, that culture is changing and it is a legitimate concern and people people are starting to recognize you know and and, and truthfully i think everything does stem from uh, economics right um if if it doesn't make financial sense, it doesn't happen. But I mm-hmm. think people are actually starting to, to track some of the costs associated with with substance abuse and mental health issues and, and all of the corresponding effects that that has lost hours, lost manpower, lost productivity, um, damage to equipment, accident investigations, like all the pieces, all the pieces that go to, together to to create this problem in a workforce is uh It's significant. And and at the end of the day, I mean, if the catalyst that we need to to start having these conversations is economics, good, whatever, let's start having these conversations. But it's, it's pretty cool to have these corporates, corporate sponsors recognize uh, the value in what we're doing and and Mm. invite us out to be a part of that program
3: moving forward. When I think, you know, just to jump on what you said there, um, even if that HR guy at the front does care and does believe that this has value in it, Right you still have to have the employees buy into it and feel like there's is, there's a safe space being created that they're going to actually reach out and, and talk to somebody about it. And I think that's one of my takeaways from the last event we went and spoke at is we've been to a few now and and it's, I don't want to say it never happens, but it's rare that somebody comes up in front of all their coworkers or students or whatever it is and starts talking to us about some issues that they're having. And and at the end of that last event that we went and spoke at, would we have three or four you know, gentlemen our age come up and actually be vulnerable and start disclosing some of their struggles. And I thought, man, this is different, right? Because I can remember sitting through a lot of those safety meetings myself over 20 years in the patch and looking at my watch, come on, the egg sandwiches are going to be cold. (laughs) I got to get the fuck out of here. Let's go, hurry up, (laughs) right? And no, I didn't care. But now you can almost watch the room and people are engaged. And it's different than just having somebody from a professional agency come in and tell them the, the warning signs and the harmful effects. And we all know that. Right. It's just, can we create a safe space for people to actually take action and
2: and reach out? Well, I think like talking about that last engagement that you and I did, um, you know, we were asked, are are you guys comfortable speaking in a shop or do you need something more formal than that? And me and Ron are like, dude, like shops is what we do, right? right? Like it's it's been a long time since I spoken one sober. (laughs) 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 But like, yeah, absolutely. That's our wheelhouse. Right. And, uh, and I was, I was honestly genuinely surprised even at the, at the end of the talk, I said, you know, I know. I I think I even said something along the lines of like I I bet nobody will actually will offer to stay in and, and yeah. talk but I'm willing to bet nobody actually gets up and talks so mm-hmm. feel free to reach out to us on uh, any of our you know means of getting a hold of us a- afterwards and to my surprise not only did we have three or four individuals the employees stay the uh, director that was the director that introduced us he um he had indicated that you know, when, 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 he first met us at the beginning, he said, you know, uh, I, I think I'm going to have to duck out early. You know, was building, he was building his, uh, parachute to, to be accent. able to, yeah, <laughs> exactly. To be able to pull a pin and get out of there real quick. Right. He's like, yeah, I got some meetings that are coming, so I don't think I'll be able to sit through the whole thing. So don't be offended if I leave. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And it's all good. But then at the end of it, he was not only was he still there, he came up at the end and he gave some self-disclosure that he had had his own struggles and, and I could, you could tell Reed in a room, he wasn't somebody that his staff viewed as anybody that would have had any struggles. Yeah. Right. So it was, it was pretty cool to see wherever you are in the hierarchy of your organization, this, this kind of commonality that we're all dealing with some shit and it's okay to have those conversations. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It was so cool. And that's what, you know, I think leadership
0: is what comes to mind. Like we've, we've just been the tip of the spear, you know, penetrating those silos that uh, Ryan likes to talk about so that we just can give people permission to start talking and, and to, to be that leader of self. Right. And there is no title that comes with, you know, opening up and being honest and being vulnerable. Um, what it is, is it's some courage? And I think that's what OCJ is for me is we're just giving people permission, you know, just we're out there Mm -hmm. leading the charge, um, so that we can open that door for you so you can walk through it. Right. We talk about it all the time. I, I, I can't do anything for you. You need to make that step, but hopefully through our voice, through our experience, through our story, um, through our action and leadership, you can also follow, right. And and do, do for yourself. Um, yeah, it's been pretty cool to, to see the, the feedback. Like I'm not a golfer. I, to be honest, I golf is stupid. (laughs) So, I was there and you got lost driving around the golf course. Yeah. (laughs) I, I only seen like eight holes until the end when I picked up those signs, another story. But, uh, what I found was just like this, this outpouring of people who they're looking for connection. They're looking for more, they're looking to contribute, but they just didn't have the Avenue or the vessel or the vehicle to get on board to make that change. Right. And, um, that's the thing I'm most proud of is that, you know, people want to do, it's just that they just haven't felt capable or felt connected to something Mm -hmm. until OCJ came around. It's like, all right, let's, this is this I can connect with. Right. And, um, this, I want to be a part of, which again is building leaders. You know, that's not our job isn't to get people sober or get them healthier. It's to help them become leaders of themselves saying this normal, that I think is normal, isn't normal Mm -hmm. and I want different. So I've got to take some action. I'll, you know, we'll be there to help those people, but you have to do it. And then in turn, you know, Rick talks about his upside down pyramid scheme all the time, trickling it down to the next person. That's what it is about. And when you get that juice, when you get that feeling of helping another human being or contributing, um, that's where life begins to take off again. Right. And that's when we start to thrive and, you know, at the beginning we were looking at a specific demographic of people and then well, we'll do grassroots and that grassroots is growing a little bit bigger than grassroots. And, you know, we've had no, I guess that at the beginning there was no formal plan, but I think that starting to formulate into what this is going to be and how this is going to change our community, you know, our province, you know, mm-hmm. and now it's just inviting more people along for the ride and actually not even that they're inviting themselves along for the ride.
2: Right? Yeah. I, I, I think what OCJ is organically turned into from, I think with the concept, at least for me was we're going to be there to help other people. And I think I've kind of had to reframe that and go, we're going to be here to empower other people to be their own, their own advocate, their own, like, I don't have any special qualifications or skills at all. Really? Mm -hmm. It, uh, it's, it's just like you said, right. It's, it's it's the permission piece. It's, you know, if if I, if I can do it, you can do it. And you know, it might take some positive encouragement and some, maybe some system navigation to help them get the right tools that they need. Right. But at, at the end of the day, everybody's responsible for their own success and everybody's capable of creating their own success. So we just, you know, one of, uh, one of the best lines that I know from a person that's close to me is he goes, I'm not, I'm not going to do the work for you, but I'll hold the flashlight while you do the digging. Yeah. Right. And I think that's what it comes down to is, is, it's empowering everybody to, to do what's best for them. And you stole the word right out of my mouth is responsible. You Mm -hmm. know, it's at
0: the end of the day, every human being on this planet has to be responsible for where they're at because where they're at is where they're at, (laughs) you know, and now you can get busy digging your way out of it, or you can get busy staying stuck in that hole. But uh, Yeah that's a perfect analogy. I'll shine the flashlight and show you the way out. You got to do the work though, right? Yeah, So it's cool. And
3: I think that along with that responsibility piece, once we become responsible, then it comes with accountability. And we just talked about this last night for a while. Is You know, for me, when I'm working with somebody and I know you guys are quite similar and it's that flashlight analogy, right? Like I'm not going to hold you accountable. Like you're responsible for your recovery. I'll help you set some goals. that, And then we'll talk about how are we going to be, how do you want me to, Work with you on accountability, but you're going to do all the work and you're going to be the one because at the end of the day, you're the one suffering the consequences. It's not me. I'm going home to sleep at night. And I can say that comfortably because I was that person seven years ago where I had to do all the digging. And uh, I, there was days I hated it, but I did it. And uh, I had to be accountable and responsible for my recovery and and whatever else comes after recovery. You know, the like I said earlier, all those underlying issues, I have to be responsible for all that shit. And then the accountability piece, what's the action piece? And how am I going to make myself do it? Cause it's easy to check out. But, uh, you know, I talked to a guy yesterday who phoned and <laughs> going back to that safe space, right? He phoned and he said, man, he wants to connect, right? He's, he's struggling with his recovery. He's in recovery right now, but he's struggling with it, right? He's having some, some issues. And he said, he's listened to our stuff. He's, he's followed us on social media for a couple months now. And he's had a few people in his sphere of influence, You know, kind of trying to gently nudge him towards us, and he finally phoned yesterday. He phoned Rick, and then he phoned me, and he's like, after talking to him for five minutes, he's like, "You, dude, you sound just like you are on the podcast. Like, (laughs) like this is different." I'm like, "That's what you get when you phone us. You don't get, you know, this guy on the podcast, and then the guy who's checking boxes and professional, right? It's we're gonna sit down, have a coffee, and tell me your story, and how can we work forward in this?"
0: And that's and that's it. And it's I think. That's the the is It's it's honest, real conversation, not the yeah. uh, surfacey, bullshitty stuff that I used to get when I went to different counselors. And uh, I'll save my rubber band story for a different podcast, but
2: <laughs> it's you know, like just, an after
0: dark yeah, episode. I think, but buddy. just like getting just <laughs> getting having that, <laughs> yeah, getting this, getting the best advice that people could offer, but not people that had ever walked a minute in my <laughs> shoes. So they didn't understand really what was going on and maybe I wasn't completely honest with, you know, everything, but yeah, uh, fuck it. I, I needed to go through all that crazy stuff to get here today, to, totally. to just not wear those masks and to be, <clears throat> to be okay with me and me. Right. And all my perfection and imperfection and, uh, and yeah, yeah. with more work to be done and to be able to have honest conversations with people that, uh, yeah, it might save their life. You know, I don't have to placate to their bullshit. Call me every day. You yeah, know, you, you need to hold me accountable. And fuck, I do. <laughs> I'm busy. <laughs> you know? yeah, right. You just do these steps. Yeah, and then go help people.
3: It's so true. Like the training that we just completed here. That's another podcast. But they talk about how you know studies show that individuals use up to six, on average, six different recovery resources to maintain long term recovery. Right, and for us, you know, maybe the odd person out there, maybe the person. Who's listening? Maybe the rubber band trick worked for them. Who knows, right? But it wouldn't have worked for me, that's for sure. And the magic rock in my pocket didn't work for me. And I was crushing up blow with that thing three months later. Me too. Yeah. (laughs) Boom. Pound it (laughs) demo. But you know, looking at it at from that Or through that lens, six different avenues, right? Maybe we're just the first avenue to open the door and let somebody become comfortable reaching out for help. And then maybe we connect them somewhere else when they're ready to connect somewhere else, right? It's not, we're not here to save the world. We're just here to open that door and and let that one person who's struggling out there and not reaching out to the professionals or not reaching out to a treatment center yet or whatever it is, right? But I can resonate with you three dummies. So I'm going to phone these guys and I'm, that's that's the beauty of this. It's not, we're not stealing money. We're not stealing jobs. We're just opening the door for another Avenue for people to get to recovery.
2: Well, and uh, that, that grant application that I wrote and then deleted this morning, um, was, (laughs) was, uh, the, one of the things that I had to speak to was what makes, what makes OCJ unique and different. Right. And, uh, and, and to me, I, I, I tried to capture how, unique it is in the sense that it's, it's a catalyst for self identification because I know for me, um, I didn't know what I was. I didn't know I wouldn't have identified as an alcoholic. I wouldn't, you know, I've said this, I don't know how many times into these mics I wouldn't have identified as an alcoholic. I wouldn't have identified as a drug addict. I wouldn't have identified as having mental health issues, but in reality I was clearly all three of those. Right. Mm -hmm. And it wasn't until again, somebody, I heard somebody else telling their story and I r- recognized my, my issues in their story. I said, you know, with, with the vast majority of the professionals in, in, in different agencies, right. There's, there's a lot of code ethics around around self-disclosure and, and uh, you know, it, I really struggle with that because it's mm-hmm. without that, I wouldn't be here, right? Mm-hmm. And and I see that in so many other people, of just if I don't have that connection with somebody that I I know you get it, I I don't really have, regardless of the master's degree on your wall, I'm not I'm not going to hold you in that higher regard because at the end of the day, you just don't have the credibility that I believe you understand what I'm going through. So, finding a diplomatic way to to kind of speak to how i think ocj provides this this media medium media what's the right word i don't know platform platform for for people to to be able to identify something right and i think that again spills into what we're trying to do with this season two of uh expand expand the demographic that is sitting in this room that is talking into these microphones that's um you know it's not all just construction and patch guys with uh with whiskey and blow problems there's a whole bunch of people out there suffering and and uh the more people we can get telling their story the more people can identify that maybe that's what they're suffering from and and find the resources that uh, maybe some other people have laid the groundwork to finding nice perfect and then delete that as soon as you say it which part well, I'm just still throwing jobs at myself for doing this whole grant thing. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. well, <laughs> you you
0: learn through your experience. <laughs>
1: right? uh, Maybe
3: what you wrote in that wasn't meant to be sent. Yeah. So now you have a C- clearly reframe, yeah, yeah. yeah. redo. <laughs> yeah. Why do it once when you can do it twice? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, heard a <laughs> I heard a gentleman last night say "more is more" instead of "more is less," and I'm still trying to wrap my brain around that. But anyway, go on. <laughs> Was that at a meeting? Nah, uh, <laughs> <laughs> another podcast. <laughs>
0: Yeah, no, I'm I'm excited for, you know, where this is going, uh, knowing that uh, there's some strong leadership involved and some amazing people that have uh, found, you know, part of their purpose by joining our board and uh, wanting to also be catalysts of change in their community for for whatever their own reasons are, and with that we'll end on a cliffhanger of uh, season two, episode one. Uh, full well knowing that uh, the audience will be introduced to two of our newest Our Collective Journey members, uh, Derek Lillico and Amber Hansen on part two of season two, episode one.
1: From Darkness to Life is an Our Collective Journey podcast. These are the true stories of struggles and triumphs against addiction and mental health challenges. If these stories resonate with you and you or someone you love need help and don't know where to turn, our collective journey is here for you. Please consider supporting OCJ by visiting ourcollectivejourney.ca and clicking Donate. All proceeds go to supporting the health and wellness of people in our community. Hosted by members of Our Collective Journey. Produced by Rob Pape. Engineered, edited, and directed by Dave Cruikshank. From Darkness to Life is a Plugged In Media Network exclusive. Thank you for listening.